I just came to let you know that I'm okay and that I'm moving on. I just came to say goodbye. And then she just dissolved. Like just, yeah, she went from being as solid as if she was standing there, right? Like I think for me, part of what was so confusing was I had seen a bunch of movies and they said that ghost looked a certain way. And then here she was not looking like that. She was there just as real as, or she looked just as real as anyone and then just kind of dissolved. So that entire experience caused some major shifts for me. I pretty much shut down for a year, a solid year. This is Euphoric Evolution, a podcast all about inner spiritual growth for abundance, where we bridge the spiritual into the practical, the energetic into the physical. I'm Makosina Jezer. I'm a spiritual teacher and oracle, speaker and author, and I'm passionate about catalyzing tomorrow's leaders into consciousness and transformation. So if you're a spiritual seeker and know you're called for more, Let's begin your transformation. All right, welcome back to Euphoric Evolution. And we are now on part two of my spiritual journey where everything really drastically changes in an instant. So if you're just listening to this episode and you didn't listen to part one, I did make sure to give some trigger warnings. For that episode, I'm going to give some major trigger warnings for this episode as well, because this one is intense, some intense teenage years. So we're around the age of 15. Looking back at middle school, I had some self-exploration of like, who am I? I had a goth phase. I had a skater phase. (laughs) And I also started to gain a level of popularity at school. Not in that I hung out with the popular kids. That was actually another, that was like a whole other group that I was not a part of. But in eighth grade, I had kind of settled a little bit out of my stages. And I remember being on the news crew. I had my own segment on our news crew. And because of that, I was pretty well known. It's kind of funny now, right? Because I've been on camera literally since eighth grade. <laughs> That's That played a huge role in who I am today. So going into ninth grade here in the US is the first year of high school. And that year I was in show choir. I was vice president of the class. And I was also homecoming attendant. All of these things were, to me, just symbolic of where I had come to. I was mostly well-liked, like bullies who I had some interactions with, really defending some other people who didn't deserve the treatment they were getting. But other than that, pretty much all of the different groups liked me. And again, this was girl next door. (laughs) I was a girl next door. This was the identity that I had built in order to keep myself safe. I have to be liked. I have to find all of the ways that I can fit in, even though I never felt like I fit in. So 
ninth grade ends. At the time, I have this friend of mine, my best friend, invites me to Myrtle Beach the towards the end of the summer, like before we go back to school. She and her sister lived with her mom and they invited me to come with them, which was so exciting for me. This was my, actually, now I have to take that back. It felt like my first time at the beach because I didn't remember really my first time at the beach, but technically it wasn't my first time. (laughs) So anyways, we go to the beach. We spend a week together. For the most part, it was great. We did have a little falling out, a temporary falling out over a boy, (laughs) which is what teenage girls do. And that was really special. We came back. There was a week before school, before school started. And I remember it was a Wednesday before school started. And our friend, one of our guy friends, got his first car. Because this is the age, you know, where like he had turned 16. He had got his, his first car. And he came and picked us up. And we just went riding around. I don't know if teenagers are doing that. Because gas is way more expensive <laughs> than it was back then. <laughs> but we went riding around for hours just talking I was in the back seat. The two of them were in the front seat and we stopped at a, in a parking lot and we just sat and talked about, you know, what we were going to do that year and how our trip went and who knows what else we were talking about. But I remember just getting this knowing and I stopped and I said, I said, Christy, you've got to tell your mom that you are pregnant because At this point, she was almost five months pregnant and she was not going to be able to hide it much longer. She was doing everything in her power to hide it. And luckily she wasn't showing a whole lot and she was able to keep it hidden. So I said that. And I also told her that she needed to break up with her boyfriend, that something bad was about to happen. And to both of those things, she said, I know, I know. Now, just for a little bit of context, At this time, remember I shared on the last episode that I was on this trajectory where I was really trying to get attention and love from boys, young boys. However, the ones that I was getting attention from were not ideal for anyone's teenage daughter. So at this point, the two of us were seeing young teenage, like, young men who were in the drug game. And her boyfriend specifically was very much in the game. So I just had a bad feeling. So fast forward, she calls me on Friday and she sounds like she's in a rush. She had told me to make sure that like she said, if anything happens to me, the money is in this VHS case, a specific movie. And she said, I'm telling you where half of it is. I'm telling my other best friend where the other half of it is. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what is going on? And she's like, oh, I'm getting ready to go out to the mall with her boyfriend. They were getting ready to go out. She said, I'll call you when I get back. But that call never came from her. Instead, that evening, I'm out school shopping, last minute school shopping with my mom at the mall. And I get a call telling me that she was in the hospital, that she had been shot and I needed to get there because it wasn't, it was not good. So the mall was pretty close to the hospital. We rushed over to the hospital. 
I remember going into the family room in the ICU. They have a separate room for family. And they're sharing with me what happened. And she had been, she was still technically alive. Her body was still alive, but there was no brain activity. And they're having all of this conversation, having to decide, her mom having to decide what she's going to do. So I looked at her mom, who is, you know, having to make this decision about her daughter. And I'm like, you all need to know that she's pregnant. She was five months pregnant. So I didn't want to be the one to bring that up. But I thought it was important because if you're going to make that decision, I was like, if you're going to make this decision, I feel like you need to know everything. You need to have all the information because technically like that was her grandchild, right? So her mom decided to sleep on the decision. Didn't have to be made right away. And uh, I wanted to stay close to the hospital. So I went and I stayed the night with a friend who lived pretty close to the hospital. My mom went home and the next morning they called and said that they had decided they were going to pull the plug. Her mom had decided that it was just going to be too much to keep her alive long enough for the baby to come to full term. And I get that. I got it then. I get it now. So I should also just mention that was the Friday the 13th that she was shot. So it's now the 14th. I go home after they decide to pull the plug and getting ready for bed, getting myself ready. This is mid-August. That's why I'm sharing the dates. (laughs) It's mid-August. So the sun isn't going down super early yet. So it had to have been around like 8 o'clock, 8.30, maybe even 9, somewhere around there. Pretty early for a teen. But I remember it was like around sunset. I had gotten ready for bed and I was sitting in my bed. And all of a sudden, she appeared at the end of my bed. And internally, I freaked out. I started pinching myself because I thought I was dreaming. I thought maybe I had fallen asleep after I got into the bed. I was pinching myself. I was still feeling it. Then I started rubbing my eyes, started rubbing my eyes, like blinking, looking really crazy. Like what is happening? And then she laughed. And when she laughed, no sound came out, but I could see her laughing at the end of my bed. And after she stopped laughing, then she started communicating with me telepathically saying, I just came to let you know that I'm okay and that I'm moving on. I just came to say goodbye. And then she just dissolved. Like just, yeah, she went from being as solid as if she was standing there, right? Like I think for me, part of what was so confusing was I had seen a bunch of movies (laughs) And they said that ghost looked a certain way. And then here she was not looking like that. She was there just as real as, or she looked just as real as anyone and then just kind of dissolved. So that entire experience caused some major shifts for me. I pretty much shut down for a year, a solid year. For that year, like I went from being in show choir, very active, out and about with friends, vice president, great grades. I always had great grades because I'm kind of just obsessed with learning to now my 10th grade year, completely shut down. I was not in show choir anymore. Didn't really talk with anyone. Not didn't really. I basically was mute at school. Like 
I did not talk unless I had to, um, unless someone, I just basically went mute for a year, really internally trying to process what was happening and really struggling with that. And it was around that time that I told my mom, I was like, I think I need help. So my mom got me into therapy and therapy was helpful to just get clarity on a lot of the things that had happened, process certain things emotionally and everything was going all right in therapy until I made the mistake of sharing this story that I just shared with you. And then of course my therapist, my therapist is like, okay, so you're hallucinating. I'm going to need to send you to see a psychiatrist. So she sends me to the psychiatrist and I will never forget this. I went to see this man. He was so old, so old. And his office was like the definition of hoarding. Like it was a wild office to walk into. There was like books everywhere. It was like hard to find a seat in his office. It was wild. I go in there, I sit down and he just asked me a few questions, maybe 10 minutes max. And then he's like, all right, here's a prescription and sends me away. Like didn't even get to know me as a person at all. Just put me on prescriptions. So I started taking these. They made me feel worse. Like I felt like I was numb, like I was not myself at all. And then some of the side effects. So I've been over my lifetime, basically with every medication I've ever taken because I'm extremely sensitive. Like I've just gotten more sensitive. Like I just went to get um, one of my, I had to get a cavity filled and they injected me the max amount of numbing and I could still feel everything. And even now, like there's certain parts of my body, if you touch my body, like it hurts because there's just a high level of sensitivity. So these drugs that they put me on and every drug that I've basically taken since then, I get the side effects. It's like all these rare instances of getting the side effects. No, I'm going to get those side effects. So this one medication that they were, that they put me on was a medication for schizophrenia. And by the way, there are a lot of people who are spiritually gifted, who are receiving certain diagnoses here in the U.S. And I'm not saying that there are not people who do not have psychiatric issues. That for sure is happening. And simultaneously, there are a lot of people who really are our healers who were just drugging them. But I decided I didn't like what was happening to my body. Oh, I forgot to mention, like, literally my body started producing milk. Like, (laughs) I started leaking breast milk off of the drugs. It was so weird. I don't even remember what it was, but I took a few different ones and all of them just, it was a no for me. It was a no thank you for me. And simultaneously, after I get off of these, my, so we can fast forward a few years, right? I'm in therapy for a while, on these drugs for a while. I get off of these. I'm like in college. I was having some weird stuff happening in college. Weird stuff like, this strange brain fog where at specific moments I would not know how to count like things that I knew I would stop knowing or I was having this really, really deep bone pain, like literally to the bone pain. 
that I would just sometimes be screaming and crying in pain. And I was losing weight. I remember one month I lost 18 pounds in a month for no reason. I was like throwing up for no reason. I was in and out of going in and out of doctors offices. At one point, I would say at the peak of it, I had four different doctors I was seeing every single week trying to figure out what was wrong. They were like, is this cancer? Is this um, autoimmune disease? Is this like they could not figure out what was going on? Oh, my body temperature dropped. That was one of the weirdest ones. Like my body temperature was so low. And of course they're like, well, it's okay because you don't have a fever. My body temperature is super low and I'm having these like sweating fits. And it was just a very weird time for my health. And then I also, uh, this is when I started seeing spirits in a bigger way. So now I start seeing, there was specifically a spirit that I was seeing. The first one that I saw was at the crossroads. It would be in the evening because I would work in the evenings while I was in college. I would see this spirit in the crossroads, usually around midnight. And he was so tall with a black top hat. And it was so consistent all the time. I would see this spirit. I would see this spirit. And then I started to see other spirits. So I'm trying to navigate that, trying to figure out what's going on. I have this health stuff that's happening, which now I understand was my calling sickness. So it was, I was trying to live my normal life, go to college. I was seeing my husband. Well, at the time he wasn't my husband. I was having all of those experiences, but the calling sickness. So my calling sickness started really early, like 16, 15, 16. After my, my friend's death is when I started to get sick and it just slowly s- snowballed. But it is not uncommon for a shaman to have what is called the calling sickness. And the calling sickness can manifest differently, but there are certain commonalities that do happen. And the main thing is that it's usually something that the medical system cannot figure out. And part of why that happens is because it's going to cause you almost to have like a sense of desperation and openness to trying other things, to really looking to other things. So what did I look to? Uh, Well, my first stop was back to religion. So around 13, my mom gave me the option to no longer go to church. I decided I wasn't going to church anymore. But around this time, I was taking care of, I was a caretaker, and I was taking care of a woman who, she was a young woman who had MS, and her mom was a pastor. And so I was with them a lot. And so I got back into religion, trying to figure out what was going on with me, why I was having these bouts where like, I would be perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, like, I have to nap, I have to sleep for like hours. So this is when I first like, this is when I decide, like, I'm going to read the Bible. And I read it twice. And I was like, yeah, this ain't there's some things off with this. It did not sit right with me because I was also taking origins class in college where I was getting exposure to all of these different spiritual systems. And I felt like, why is everyone not seeing that you all have been fighting all of these wars and you all at the, like at the core, this is like the same. (laughs) So yeah, I read the Bible and that like got me out of religion 
that was what it took. (laughs) But I was just so open though, because I'm having all of these health issues and really trying to figure out what was going on with my health. So I think this is really the best place to kind of go into, go into my experience becoming a mother and then how that led into my initiation and what that was like. So I'm going to see you on the next episode, part three. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Euphoric Evolution. If you found this valuable, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. Be sure to share with someone you care about if you know they'll also find value in this episode. You can also visit theroyalshaman.com to take my free consciousness quiz where you'll uncover your current stage of consciousness, identify your current blockages, and define which steps you can take next to align with your highest potential. You can also see the show notes to find our socials. In euphoria.